The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Where is your heart today? Most of us know a lot about hearts. Our heart is considered the emotional center of our lives. Our hearts are in things, or they're not. Our hearts are turned toward what is good, or they are not. Our hearts are on our sleeves. Our hearts are broken, or they are wounded. Our hearts can be closed, or they can be weary, at the same time as our hearts can be set on fire, or wildly beating. So where is your heart today? What is captivating your heart? What sets it beating wildly in your chest? I think many of us may have hearts that feel pretty numb these days especially when we wake up to news that again last weekend, two mass shootings left 29 people dead in our country. Our news feeds pop up with alerts about mass shootings almost every 13 days on average in this country. We read stories this week about how children on their second day of school in Mississippi were left with no one to pick them up because ICE had arrested and detained their parents. There are children in cages in this country who still do not have access to the parents that brought them here seeking asylum. These are days of broken hearts. And yet, over this last week, our own denomination, the ELCA, at our churchwide assembly voted to become a sanctuary church body boldly declaring that we oppose inhumane policies of harassment, detention, and deportation implemented by the U.S. government and commit ourselves as a church body to being an advocate and justice seeker for immigrants. The assembly also adopted a commemoration for the Emanuel Nine every June 17th a day that will be specifically reserved for the church to remember the nine black folks who died in a church shooting while praying 
and to specifically repent of the racism that continues to infect our lives and our churches every day. Hearts were set on fire as people walked and protested at an ICE detention center and named our own complicity in systems of oppression. It is holding these things together. Pieces of broken hearts, hearts that are numb, and also hearts that are burning within us that is the hard work of this life. And fortunately for us, our God knows a lot about hearts. We began our readings for this morning in the book of Isaiah. And before we hear what is on God's heart, I think we have to locate ourselves in this text. Many of us have heard about Sodom and Gomorrah. And when our reading for today opens with addressing these folks, it can bring back all kinds of messages we may have heard in the past about how God's heart is not full of love and delight in the lives of queer persons. So let me first say, by invoking Sodom and Gomorrah as the opening of this passage, Isaiah is not saying anything about sexuality. What Isaiah is pointing to is a land that was laid bare because the lands of Sodom and Gomorrah would bring to the mind of anyone listening a wasteland that was destroyed despite it once being a place of wealth and prosperity. Isaiah is calling out to any people who think they are rich and free from concern and reminding them that what they think may last forever may be as fleeting as the riches of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then comes a word of conviction that is meant to break open our hearts. God says that all the sacrifices, all the bulls and the rams and the goats are meaningless. God doesn't want to endure the offerings of the people anymore. God is weary of their festivals. When they raise up their hands in prayer and supplication, God says that God will turn God's eyes from them because their hands are covered in blood. The people they have been ignoring, the oppressed, the widow, and the orphan, are close to God's heart. And so God calls the people to give up offering the things that God no longer wants and instead to repent and to turn around and to do good and to seek justice. Nearest to God's heart are not those who can offer sacrifices, but those who have already been sacrificed, those who have been ignored and abused and those who have been cast away. And so this passage isn't just a call out, it's a call in, inviting those who hear it to return to the ways of God and to set their hearts on fire with a kind of justice that is at the center of God's very being. Luke offers us another glimpse into God's heart as we encounter again this week what's often called the travel narrative. Ten chapters that are basically a collection of what Jesus had to say on his way to Jerusalem. Some of these parables and proverbs seem almost disconnected. Even today, we move from having no fear to selling our possessions 
to having our lamp lit, to this dinner party where a master shows up, to a house that's being broken into as unexpectedly as the Son of Man will return. It's hard to focus our hearts and minds when the lessons come so fast and furious. But if we encounter this text as a narrative with some clues about what it might look like to seek after God's heart, we find some new things about how we might live on this side of the kingdom. Our text begins by telling us not to be afraid because God's good pleasure is to give us the kingdom. Each week as we gather together in worship and ask God to help us to become the people God calls us to be, as we confront commands from God like in Isaiah, we are reminded that at the heart of God is not hatred or shame or guilt. The heart of God finds pleasure in showing us, in giving us the kingdom. When we come before God, hearts that are broken or numb or torn, and ask God to help us live differently, God doesn't look at us like we're crazy. God doesn't tell us to come back another time when we've gotten our lives together. God says, come on down because it is my pleasure. At the heart of God is a desire for us. A desire that we might be a people who reflect God's heart. At the heart of God is pleasure and delight in us. So that we can trust that we may try a million different ways to reflect God's kingdom, and God will not give up on us or abandon us. But this passage doesn't just reassure us about God's heart. It also gives us a glimpse into ways we ought to transform our own. Hear the words of Jesus for this day. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You've probably heard this saying before, but with Jesus, it's a little different. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Not whatever you throw your heart into, that is what you treasure. In Jesus' words, we hear that our hearts follow after our treasures, not the other way around. Most of us have heard or said, you know, my heart isn't in it anymore. For some of us, those have come up in conversations about our relationships, our work, or the things we do to help our world. Suddenly, our heart just isn't in it anymore. And for many of us, that's a big stop sign. If your heart isn't in it, then maybe it's time to quit. If our hearts aren't in our churches, if our hearts aren't in our families, if our hearts aren't in our work, then maybe we should move on. Maybe there isn't hope. But that isn't what Jesus is telling us this morning. Where our treasure is, that is where our hearts will be. Where our money and our time and our energy and our gifts are is where our hearts will be. And sometimes when it feels like our hearts aren't really in it, when our hearts are a little slow to follow, sometimes putting our treasures where our hearts are torn allows our hearts to learn to follow. Instead of giving up on things when they're hard or throwing the towel in when it feels overwhelming, we put our treasures where we want our hearts to be, 
And sometimes those slow-moving hearts learn how to follow. So where is your heart today? Is it numb or broken or on fire? Does your heart reflect God's heart? Might this day be a call to you to take what is most precious to you, your time, your talents, your money, and to put it where God calls your heart to be? Might this be a day to take a hard look at whether our treasures reflect the view of God's kingdom as described to us in the book of Isaiah, a world where the oppressed is free, the widow and the orphan are ignored no more. Where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be. When we release control of these treasures, when we offer to God what we'd rather clutch tightly to ourselves, when we give up the things that feel as if they give us all the security in the world, often we realize that our hearts have been transformed. What we thought was most important is not most important anymore. What the world sold us as the ultimate source of life pales in comparison to what God offers us. The money, the stuff, the treasures that we thought would save us are merely dust consumed by moth. Where is your treasure and where is your heart? Have no fear. Brokenhearted or set afire, have no fear because it is God's pleasure to delight and to reside with us. And as our God offers us God's heart over and over again, we are invited to imagine anew what we might do with our own. Amen.